Hey, this is Mark Tremonti, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. For distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 186. My name is Brando on this AFD subseries. Feel my 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 quarantine. <laughs> uh, recording from my apartment in Woodside, Queens. Normally, I would be at the iHeart Radio Studios in Tribeca, New York City, but we are all on lockdown all across the globe. You know, I kicked off this podcast wanting to connect people through Guns and Roses, which I'm still doing, but we're all kind of connected through this this uh, this terrible. P- pandemic that's been going on but i appreciate every single one of you who are still staying connected with me on social media uh the afd show on facebook and twitter appetite for distortion on instagram and still you know wanting these podcasts and and contributing to these podcasts with questions and and guest suggestions and so you know i feel like this podcast hasn't missed a beat because of you so thank you and i'm going to ask some of your questions to today's guest Somebody that I've been looking forward to speaking with for quite some time, and by judging by your questions and enthusiasm, by your comments on social media, you're looking forward to it too. Of course, you know him from Creed, Alter Bridge, Mark Tremonti, his solo band Tremonti. Mark, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Um. Uh, well, I mean, that gets a kind of a loaded question nowadays. I'm yeah. I'm taking it day by day. How are you? Doing good, you know, with everything considered, I'm being pretty productive, having a good time with the family. Uh, where are you calling from, if you don't mind me asking? I'm in Orlando, Florida. Okay, um, how are you in, I mean, you gotta ask, it's like the new hello, like how are you, how is the family, how are you holding up? Uh, we're doing good, you know, we're just, uh, you know, doing homeschooling now, um, Playing basketball with the kids in the yard, paint, been painting the house, playing a lot of guitar, watching a lot of TV, and actually, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be moving here in a few months, hopefully. So I've been packing up the house. So I've been extremely busy with all this, even with all this downtime. That's some time for for a move. I mean, were you pl- pl- just to you know, if you don't mind, just getting into it? Uh, were you planning on moving? Because you were. I don't know if this exact date you were supposed to be out and about, but you were supposed to be on, on tour. So was this the move planned, or, or, or think, are you just trying to find things to do while you have the, ta- the time? No, you know how construction goes. It always goes much longer than you think it's going to be. We were supposed to be in there for Christmas. Now um, we were going to try to plan on moving while I was off tour until May. But now, um, you know, who knows how long it's going to be until we get back on the road. So it's... Uh, you know, it's perfect timing in that respect to get this house packed up because we wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have been able to do it if I was out on tour. I'd, I'd have to rely on a moving company, and and uh, my wife would have had to tackle most of it. So it's good for her that I'm here now. Oh, sure. Um, what was your 
because everyone had again we're all in this together and i mean that's globally what was your reaction because i'm maybe you were you know hoping that the tour would just be postponed and maybe week month but when it was yes canceled uh for the time being i guess for lack of a better word what was your reaction i guess to, to ask a generic uh, question it's, it's just really disappointing because we um you know we we've had such good momentum with this album um you know it was our it was our first number one album so it's it was time to get out there and really make the most of it so when this all you know, I feel bad for artists like Billie Eilish, you know, she's on top of the world and all of a sudden she's completely got the rug pulled out from underneath her, you know, it's, uh, you know, but everybody's in the same boat, you know, we're, we're all disappointed this is going on, but and there's nothing we can do about it. So I think a lot of people are trying to do what they can do to make the most of their time. I'm other than doing all the house stuff, I'm doing a lot of writing and practicing. And I think there's going to be so many records coming out at the same time when this is all said and done. Hmm. And I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Billie Eilish because, believe it or not, I've, I've mentioned her a, a few times on this podcast. And I actually got to see her perform the, when concerts were still going on back in October. I went to Austin City Limits to see Guns N' Roses primarily, but Billie Eilish was there and she was great. And I was just talking to our, our mutual friend Kevin before, and we were talking about uh, a lot of these artists doing shows from home. Uh, Miles did... Uh, what was it for American Songwriters last night on their Facebook? And, uh-huh. and Billie Eilish did that big iHeart benefit. So is that something that uh, a you you are planning to do? Uh, B want to do? And C something that you can see is going to be more prominent going forward, not just with you but with artists. Uh, I think we're going to take it day by day. I, what I'm doing now is what I what I'm comfortable with, which is what I'm trying to get comfortable with is just doing more performance-based stuff on social media, you know, know, putting a lot of guitar playing and singing and whatnot up there just to kind of stay busy. Um, But as far as doing the the live performing, um, you know, I I hand it to Miles. You know, he stepped out of his comfort zone and and dove right into it. He did a killer job. Um, But he's uh, he's a much better vocalist than I am, you know, and as far as me sitting down with an acoustic guitar and strumming through songs you know my my solo material is more heavy metal based stuff so i'd have to really kind of reinvent myself to to do acoustic performances online so we'll kind Mm. of have to see what what happens okay okay uh yeah because you're right that's a a completely different approach and maybe not to say that your your music can certainly translate but it would be different and you would just you know i'm assuming you would just have to prepare completely Uh, and i hope you do It's, it's been really interesting to see all these artists um, starting to do these things at home and you can just watch it giving us uh, something something to do um, I, I got a bunch of questions from, from listeners who are happy to hear from you uh, this is from Nicholas so during the quarantine and you mentioned before how you're keeping busy I guess what do you what are you writing are you writing Alter Bridge songs are you writing songs for your solo Tremonti are you writing another novel uh, what exactly are you writing um all the above, you know, I've got, um, a song that I'm working on for, for Eric Gales. Um, he's one of my favorite guitar players in the world. He's got a record coming out. That's going to be produced by Joe Bonamassa. And he had asked if I wanted to, um, do a, a song, a song with him, do, write a song for or with him. And, um, so I've been kind of digging into that. But, uh, other than that, I'm always writing, um, 
anything for Tremonti or Alter Bridge at the same time. Just kind of, uh, I never know until my schedule kind of gets into place what's going to happen next. So I'm just writing the best music I can. And if it leans too heavy, it's going to be my solo stuff. Um, but other than that, I just try to put the best foot forward as far as whatever music I've recently written into the next project. How about as far as the novel? Yeah. I've already written the next, um, my next outline of my next book that I want to do. I'm just kind of right now still shopping the uh, first book for publishing deals. And, and um, obviously this virus has really kind of um, put everything on hold a little bit. Okay. Uh, how about playing games? Cause that's the big thing. People were playing, you know, uh, whether it be puzzles or board games, but I know you're big into pinball. Do you have pinball machines in your house? Oh yeah. I'm a massive pinball fan and collector of uh one this virus killed me i was i was i just did a deal for a pinball machine that was going to get delivered to me a, a few weeks ago but the virus got so bad that uh my wife's like you're not getting a pinball machine delivered <laughs> right now you know i had it all worked out um it was gonna you know free delivery from from in state and all of a sudden it gets squashed so oh. uh but uh, yeah, I still have uh, I still have about seven machines in my house right now, but I've got fifteen total. Nice. Well, as they say, happy wife, happy life. So you got to listen to That's what. Right. You... <laughs> uh, That's what's right. your What's your favorite in your collection? Uh, my all time favorite is Medieval Madness. Okay. Yeah. Do you get to play with? Because I'm, I'm sure, as you could tell by the name of my my podcast, I do a it's like a GNR theme instead of just being a generic, you know, rock podcast. Uh, so Slash is big in the pinball as well. Have you guys ever, talk, you know, talk shop about pinball or play together? You know, it's crazy. It's not, we've never brought that up. And next time I see him, I'm definitely going to pick his brain about it because I um, we have a mutual friend, Jersey Jack, who makes um, Jersey Jack pinball now. He's one of the big manufacturers, and I think um, he's been dealing with with Slash, and, and I think he's got a uh, Wizard of Oz machine at his house and. They're good buds, and yeah, it's, it's uh, the pinball world's kind of a, a small world. It's, there's not a lot of uh, there's only a handful of musicians that I really know that are really into the into the thing. Like I this year, I flew to Pittsburgh for the uh, Papa Pinball World Championship. You know, I'm, I'm wow. not into it. I was gonna I was gonna go to Texas uh, last month for the for the big um, pinball convention, but that got canceled and. Um, yeah, if, I, if I'm off tour and there's a big convention, I'm getting on a plane and I'm going. That pinball's my uh, one of my big obsessions. Wow, I, I had I guess they have um, conventions for everything now, but I, I, I had no idea. Uh, and I, oddly enough, I tried to I reached out to interview the guy who sells Slash's pinball machines, and I think I weirded him out because he's like, "Why would you want to interview me?" I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. You you work in pinballs. I'm sure you have a you know a great story to tell, but. Maybe another time. Uh, at least while we're on that, uh, this this thought process. What was it like to play on stage with with Slash? Oh, it's killer! You know, I've, I've, just like everybody else, I I, um, I think I was in high school when Guns N' Roses was really maybe maybe yeah my freshman year when Guns N' Roses came out and I was that that first record was just it changed the world. You know, it blew my mind. I loved it. As soon as I I remember the. I remember the moment I was in the car when Welcome to the Jungle came on. Um, my dad was 
picking up flowers to plant in the yard. And when he came back in the car, I was like, you had, you got to hear this song. I was just on the radio. It was so cool. And, um, I was a huge fan. So, you know, just being a fanboy, getting to see one of, uh, your heroes on, on stage next to you. And he's such a, a good, um, low key guy. You know, he's, he's, uh, biggest rock star in the world, but he's just, he's just your, your, your average dude when you talk to him. And, uh, you know, it's great to share the stage with him. I'd say, I mean, and, and he's not even, would you, I don't know if you would even, would say this, but I don't think he's even the the greatest that you've shared the stage with. Uh, and I'm, I'm referring to uh, Robbie Krieger from The Doors. Um, what what was that experience like? Oh, it was awesome. You know, Robbie's another really soft-spoken, nice, nice guy that's uh, conquered the world, but he's still so passionate about what he does. And, and um, we played Woodstock and um, right. it was a stressful day because it was, it was a quarter of a million people and uh, we had press all day long. So usually we make, we had a strict rule that for an hour before the show, there's nothing going on. You leave us alone. We're getting ready for a show. But that was a different day where we had so much press and so much running around to do. We had about 20 minutes before we had to go on stage before we got back to the dressing room. And that's when Robbie was like, Hey, why don't we do roadside blues? <laughs> we've house. never played that right we've wrote yeah wrote, wrote house blues and he he's like uh i'll just teach it to you real quick <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be kidding me there's a quarter of a million people out there it's like oh that's just the best live song that the doors you know it's the best crowd participation thing so we talked through it for 10 minutes and played it in front of uh half the quarter of a million people wow um, do you know, are you that comfortable with your, cause you're regarded as one of the most talented guitarists out there. Are you comfortable and say, you know, I could do this 10 minutes or are you freaking out until you hit that stage? I'm just like everybody else. I'm freaking out. <laughs> you know, the, it might not be the, the hardest song to play, but it's the hard, you know, it's hard to memorize, um, the order of the song, you know, even though you've heard it on the radio a million times, um, you know, it's just not something that you just recently practiced and you got all your nerves up and you're standing there in front of cameras and countless people. And it's just uh, it's nerve wracking. This is a question from uh, James Dawson that I got on Facebook. What is the instead of just saying, we'll figure it out from Robbie Krieger. What's the best piece of advice that you ever got from a mentor or a person you looked up to uh, before you became a successful artist? Oh, geez. Um, that's a tough one. Um, maybe just in general, maybe not if, if it makes it any easier, um, maybe not necessarily before, but just in general, some great advice that you've gotten because you're still a young guy, you know, um, and, and you've still getting, you know, working with a lot of people. So what's uh, some great advice that you've you've gotten over the years? Um, maybe from um, Ron St. Germain. I remember him saying something along the lines of uh, what? you're focused on focused mainly on that song it's just the most powerful tool tool you can use whenever people ask me for advice you know what do you have any advice for a new band or what should we do i always tell them the same thing like you uh, if you have an incredible song there's no denying it you don't need a strategy for it you put it out there people are going to love it that's the that's your weapon you know that's it yeah uh, this is a, another good question. Uh, this is from Alba on Twitter. Uh, first of all, thank him for being such a guitar hero. Uh, we all love him. If he had to pick three albums to listen to during this quarantine and nothing else, which ones would it be and why? 
I would say Bob Marley legend. Hmm. That's my that's my stuck on an island with one record uh, album. Wow. Um, to me, that's just such a it puts me at peace. You know, it makes me relax. It's uh, you know one of the most important records that I've I've ever had in my lifetime. I love it. Um, I'd say. Uh, go the completely opposite direction and do Metallica Master of Puppets because that's my nice record that really turned me into a music fanatic um, and then for a third record jeez um, that's a tough one um, let's go with uh, oh man I don't know Megadeth P-Cells but who's buying okay I like it. I, I'm I'm into all those, uh, and these are like fun questions that not not just towards you that you know because everyone's online right now and people are asking you know what are you listening to what are you watching during quarantine so it's uh, a good way to find out um, about people well, you know th- this very grandiose de- desert island game that we're all kind of stuck in at the moment and oh, she yeah. and uh, she actually has a good follow up question Alba so I appreciate she her submitting. Uh, what's the best concert that you've been to as a fan, not as a musician? Um, I would probably say, uh, well, there's a band called um, Floyd's Funk Revival that that I grew up. Uh, well, they used to play in my college town, and then uh, then they became uh, Butch Walker was the singer of the band. Now sure. Butch Walker's a huge producer, and I think his second band was The Marvelous Three after Floyd's Funk, and, and uh, they were just as good. But he's he's probably the best performer I've ever seen. Wow! So anytime in any band he's in, he's 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 top notch. Um, I'd say on par with that would probably be uh, Rage Against the Machine. Um, we did a festival in uh, I think it was Austria. It was Judas Priest headlining one stage, Rage Against the Machine headlining the other stage. And I remember um, getting off stage real quick dropping stuff off the dressing room. We're going to go um, check out Rage Against the Machine, who was probably 10 minutes into their set. And being backstage and hearing the Judas Priest guys, I think it was, uh, I forget who it was, but um, he was telling Rob, he's like, you got to come see this stuff. We need to kind of check this this band out. We need to kind of, you know, uh, see if we can do some of this in our music. Because huh. I forgot what they said, but they, you know, it was just, cool to see the Judas Priest guys getting excited about going to check out Rage Against the Machine. It was, uh, it was an intense show. And that was one of the shows, uh, the world where was looking forward to this summer, the, uh, the reunion. And, and of course, not just, uh, this was going to be the, the, the summer of just amazing tours, you know, Alter Bridge, Rage, the whole Motley Crue thing. So it is, it is frustrating, but it's good for fans and to know that you are writing and you're going to come out guns blazing has this time down changed your your approach to writing at all or are you just doing what mark tremonti does meaning like are you thinking about lyrics differently or is it has anything changed in in your musical approach since this has been this pandemic has been going on uh the only thing different i've been doing is focusing more on on uh, theory you know using uh you know, I've been diving into stuff that I've always kind of put off, um, you know, trying to trying to play jazzy kind of chord changes and hitting the proper triads along the way. All that all the all the heady kind of guitar playing stuff. Um, 
but as far as songwriting goes, I'm I'm a creature of habit. I try I I, uh, I do as much as I can over the years to try to throw something different into the machine to make it come out differently. But um, I'm still lock myself in a in a room by myself and and go after it. And uh, you know, lyric wise, it's just the lyrics change with as your life changes. You know, new experiences um, equals different new lyrics so it's uh you know at the core of it it's still the same are you in contact with your your bandmates from solo and and alter bridge or are you kind of just in your your in your room being a mad scientist doing it all yourself yeah no we we um i'm in contact with them but not as far as songwriting goes oh, okay right? i like to write on my own and then um when it comes down to doing the record that's when i kind of collaborate more but as a writer um i do best when i'm writing by myself um you know i just did i've been doing for the last year or so clinics on songwriting and um just kind of showing people how i write songs and uh, that's been the kind of one of the first times other than writing with miles or eric for my solo band is i don't usually let people in to that world but hmm. When I started doing this songwriting thing, I'm writing in front of 40 people sometimes. And oh, wow. I, I just kind of have to. Songwriting's not, it's not something that works every time. You know, it's something that you might miss, you know, half of the time. You might not write something in, in, in that, in a session. So it's sometimes it gets a little um, nerve wracking when you're trying to write in front of people, but it worked out nicely. You know, I kind of um, just kind of showed people, uh, how I go about it. Most of the time, something something worked out where they kind of get to look into uh, look into my brain as how I how I put things together. Is there a songwriter that you look up to? I mean, there's there's millions of them, but as far as their technique, it's it's impossible to be able to dive into how somebody writes a song. And, and uh, but there's you know Paul McCartney's one of the one of the greats, obviously. Sure. And Paul Simon. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, um, you're picking like the, the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yes, exactly. These guys are, are are the best of the best. You know, for someone like you, and I've asked this of other artists on the podcast who have been a part of not just one great project, but a few. You know, you. You know, I've talked about my love of Creed. You know, I even when it was cool not to like Creed, that was not me. You know, I'm, I'm happy to have leaked. I saw you at NASA Coliseum. I believe it was when Jerry Cantrell opened up for, for Creed, and it was awesome. Uh, so you had Creed. You've had, obviously, such success with Alter Bridge and, and Solo. So I like to do, like, sports analogies sometimes. And I know musically you can get into the Hall of Fame, you know, solo or with a band. But with sports, you usually have to pick one baseball cap, like, to get in. You know, like Wade Boggs had to pick the, the, the Devil Rays instead of the the Yankees or the Red Sox. Is there, and it's not discounting your other projects, but is there one uh, maybe baseball cap or jersey that if you were, you know, to get into the a Hall of Fame that you want representing Mark Tremonti, even if it is just as a solo artist, is there one project that you, that you just want to be known for more than the others? If you can, if you want to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard because I don't want to alienate any any fans right. from, from any of the bands. Um, but I would I would say um, the only fair answer to that would be uh, it's there's not a fair answer because Creed was by far my my most uh, 
well-known band when it was at its peak. Um, so that's probably the band that would be the most recognizable by um, most Americans, you know, but you get over to Europe and Ultra Bridge is the, the most recognizable. So I'd have to say uh, the band that I spent the most time on, you know, I think Alter Bridge mm. um, has been a band for almost, I think, 18 years. Wow. Um, and when you look at Creed, it was a, I think, a seven year window. So we've uh, we've more than doubled, much more than doubled the time into Alter Bridge that, that we did Creed. So I'd have to say, I'd have to say the band that I spent most of my life in, which is which is Alter Bridge. And that makes sense. You know, usually players go with the team that they've been with the longest, and maybe not just like a short run with a team that won a World Series or something like that. So, and of course, it's not discounting anybody else. It's just a just a, a fun question uh, to ask. Yeah. So, and I know this is the the hard question for anybody. Is there anything that we can expect to see or hope to see coming out of uh, coming from you? I know you're you're busy, but is there anything maybe that you're planning on releasing that's not going to be inhibited by the way the world is now? Uh, no, I mean it's it's um, to me the only thing that's up in the air is when stuff's going to happen, like right. everybody else, but. Um, the next project it has always been gonna, was going to be my my next solo record, which uh, which I would have been working on all year long and then putting out next year. So now that this is happening, um, my vote would be to have Alter Bridge continue to tour through next summer, so we can get the most out of this this record because um, this was we had we had more momentum than ever before with this album, and it's just a shame that that this happened, but. Um, you know, I'm in. I'm really in no rush. You know, it's. Uh, I think the whole world could just consider this a, a break and uh, mm. get right back to where we left off and, and not skip out or miss out on anything. So, I want to get the most out of this record cycle and then get into my next solo album when the, when the time is right. Well, you're gonna come out guns blazing. You're gonna have. You're gonna be. You're gonna be so busy. You're gonna wish you were in quarantine. Maybe it seems yeah. like with all the projects that you have going on. Um, I told my I told my wife that I said you know I think a lot of people are going to miss this this you know as, as scary as this has been and how weird this has been there's been a lot of good moments you know there's been a lot of spending time with the family getting things done a lot of uh, a lot of time to kind of get do stuff that you normally wouldn't do and I think a lot of people are going to be like damn it I got to get up and go to work now <laughs> you know <laughs> people are going to miss the all the sleep and all the free time and all the book reading and movie watching that they get to do right now. I know. Take advantage. And, you know, you're taking, you're certainly taking advantage of this time, uh, not just with songwriting, but with moving. <laughs> Absolutely. Every way I can, you know, I wake up, I wake up every day with a hit list of things that I want to accomplish. And, um, when that runs out, that's when I'm going to start getting stir crazy. But, uh, right now I'm, I got plenty to do. Right on. Well, Mark, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your quarantine to, to speak with me today and answer some questions. Uh, just congratulations on all your success. I mean, it's, it's unheard of uh, in, in music you so for you to be a part of not just two very successful bands, but three, including your, your solo and uh, the, the writing with the novel. So, I mean, you have, you have everything uh, going for you going forward. Uh, your success seems to be um, we talk about flattening the curve. It seems like your curve is still going up. If to make a weird analogy, I guess. <laughs> well, thank you very much. No, I hope that curve goes and the other curve dies. Well, <laughs> right on. Thank you so much, Mark. Hey, 
Thank you, man. I hope to see you on the road sooner rather than later. Absolutely, me too. All right, bye-bye. Arguably one of the nicest guys in rock. Easily. Uh, that was so cool uh, to, to speak with him. And as I mentioned to him, and I wasn't about to fanboy off about Creed. I loved Creed. Uh, I, I, somebody asked, I think it might have been our, our friend Greg uh, Renoff who who asked this on, on Twitter. What was the album you listened to the most as a high school senior? And I think I, I replied wrong to him. I, I replied uh, System of a Down Toxicity, but that was probably more my college freshman year. My senior year was Human Clay. I loved that record. And obviously, I mean, Alter Bridge, since I've been doing radio uh, and, and since they became a band, I can't believe it's been that long. Have I been in radio for 18 years? I can't know. I don't know. It's, it seems like when Alter Bridge started is when they, it became a new band for me to play on the radio as a young personality. And this, the success that he's had as a solo artist, which doesn't always pan out for these guys breaking away from a big band, but he's extremely successful, obviously insanely talented with his writing. So, um, and I, again, always uh, thanks to all of you for asking some great questions, helping me out with these, with these interviews. And before I conclude this episode, I do want to take time to say rest in peace to Jimmy Webb. Now, Jimmy is, I, I, if you're listening to this episode, chances are, you know who he is. Um, I didn't before I started this podcast. He was a guest on uh, episode 164. And I recorded that Christmas Eve, I believe, last year. Uh, Christmas Eve doesn't matter to me because, well, I'm Jewish, so it doesn't matter. And Jimmy and I had been working. We, we had spoken on the phone a few times. You may have heard me say that I reached out to Jimmy maybe a year prior to that. And he's like, why do you want to talk? Because he's so humble. He's like, why do you want to talk to me? You know, I'm not a rock star. You know, I'm friends with rock stars. And and, and understandably so, he was wary that, you know, maybe I would want to get some dirt out of him about Duff or Slasher. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know, that's not what I'm about at all. But I'm not going to begrudge anybody because I get it. You know, there's a, there are a lot of uh, vultures out there and, you know, and, and they're ruining it for the rest of us. So I will be forever indebted to Lee Williams, Lee Williams Art, who has been on the podcast a couple times. And she co-hosted the episode with Jimmy last year. And she's an artist, uh, sold her clothing in Jimmy's uh, store in the village here in, in New York City. I need more. And if you're a Guns N' Roses fan, you've seen Slash and Duff and Frank Farrar. They've all worn clothing from Jimmy. And you've seen Jimmy. He was a part of uh, Susan Holmes McKagan, uh, one of her uh, book openings when her book came out, uh, The Velvet Rose, uh, at the Strand bookstore here in New York City. And he also took part in uh, Mae McKagan's I think uh, it was like a fashion show or I, I'm not phrasing it right, but it was something that she did a clothing line launch or something like that. He was involved. So he was tied with the McKagan family, uh, Megan Hodges slash his girlfriend and that whole family were, were big with Jimmy. And uh, I know 
I'll, I, I had it confirmed. I had a, a listener uh, of mine, Ray from the UK, send me a message that was written by Grace on her Instagram. And that's how I first found out. And I wanted to find out for sure. So I contacted a friend who is close with Richard Fortas. And Richard had told her that morning. And she was just waiting on announcing something because I guess she wanted the store to announce something on social media. But then it just started coming out. You know, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to speak at a turn and I'm not going to pretend I knew Jimmy more than these other people did. You know, I knew of Jimmy from doing this podcast and learning about him from other people. And just for him to come in willingly Christmas Day uh, was he was happy to do it. And forgive me, I forget the friend of his that brought him in. He looked like. Fonzie, <laughs> something like this guy coming in, bringing in Jimmy. And Jimmy was kind of, he I hate to say it, he, he looked sickly, I guess. But, I mean, you, you just never know. You're a hard party and rocker. You know, I, I didn't know if he was ill, but I didn't want to ask. That's not appropriate. But he had told me he was battling cancer. And I didn't inquire more than that. Um, I appreciated him telling me because he said he kind of keeps it a secret and doesn't really tell many people. So that meant a lot to me the, the first time that we met that he told me that. And he said, which is how I felt, it's like we felt like we knew each other for so long. So that hour conversation, and if you haven't heard it or want to re-listen to it again, episode 164, uh, Jimmy Webb trying to condense his whole life into an hour and it was just, you know, a memorable conversation. I'm so glad we got to do it in person, that it wasn't over the phone, that we were able to connect. Uh, I didn't know. It was a surprise. I, I, I know he wasn't well, but I didn't know that he was, you know, that sick to, to eventually pass away. Uh, and a lot of people are learning about him now. You know, Rolling Stone picked it up. You know, this is somebody who became friends with and had regular customers like Duff McKagan, like Slash, like Debbie Harry, like Iggy Pop. Uh, this guy was an icon here in New York City. And shame on me, you know, maybe I have a little too much Long Island in me that I really didn't know the New York scene as much as I should have. But I'm learning from people. I learned from Jimmy Webb and I'm learning from people like, uh, like Catherine Turman, who we had on the show before, who's known Jimmy for, for quite some time. And he's going to be missed. He wanted to come on the show again, to do it again. I will always regret not going to his store. And I've wanted to. I always sat, really, maybe until like maybe like a week ago, I kept saying to my girlfriend, we, we got to go to his store. And it's just, it was, it's hard. I mean, to, it's, it was out of, it's out of the way for me with my schedule. Uh, and I'm just being honest uh, here. Uh, it's why I don't like – it's only, probably the main reason why I don't like living in Queens or New York City as opposed to Long Island is because it, parking is very hard. And being a handicapped person, parking is important. It's not like they have handicapped spots everywhere. So there was always a lot of things to consider and I guess putting it off, putting it off. And obviously now it's too late. I don't know if the store is going to continue without him. I have I have no idea about that. But uh, you know, he wanted to – he's like, I owe you a T-shirt. Uh, last time we spoke, but just very, very sad. You know, uh, I know he lived a hard life. He came out of it, you know, very well. It felt like he had like a better second act in life 
than most people. You know, he we did some diving into the first act. You know, addiction, homelessness, but he was so beloved at the end, and you're certainly seeing the outpouring of love uh, now. So it's one of those. You hope that there is a heaven. You hope that uh, spirits uh, exist. You know, I envy those who believe in that. You know, I, it's hard for me. It's very hard for me not to go off on a tangent there. But I'm such a man of, I'm a man of science. It's just hard for me to believe stuff that's not tangible. You know, I, I really try to have as much faith as I can. But it's just the way my brain is wired. That's just it. I, I can't help it. But I hope there is because you know Jimmy is smiling and, and feels so much love coming out about him now, and people are going to learn about him now. And um, I'm just going to miss you, Jimmy. I'm so glad that I got to meet you and to have a, a very special conversation with you that will live on forever on this podcast. Uh, I will say this, and not just for podcasts. This was said to me a while ago when my when my, my grandfather was, uh, was dying. It was like eight years ago, nine years ago at this time. And um, this woman I worked with said, you should record his voice. You know, memories are great. Uh, you know, cards are great. But to be able to go back and listen to their voice is something special. And I did that. I did that with my grandfather, uh, sometimes without him knowing, just to have, you know, just r regular room noise and conversations happening. But even with my grandma, I have, uh, you know, I had like interviews with her on uh, recording. So, you know, not just for me and, and podcast purposes. I think that's something that people should do in general, that you should have recordings of people that you care about, uh, especially today. There's no reason not to, at least audio. You know, maybe video would be too hard to watch, but just audio and kind of just close your eyes and let you live that moment again, I think is special. So, Jimmy, just uh, just Godspeed and uh, miss your brother. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Uh, we'll see what's coming up next. I know I, I still have to put out the uh, the Kathy Valentine episode, uh, Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's, but I've been talking to a couple of you Guns N' Roses fans because I want to do another fan obsession segment. And the Kathy Valentine interview is only like seven minutes. So I've been talking to um, actually some Guns N' Roses fans that are also in the medical profession that are on the front lines during this. So that might just be uh, some timely interviews with you to do for a fan obsession. So I want to couple that with the Kathy Valentine to give you a full episode. So uh, just be on the lookout for that. All right. So until next time, when will you see the next episode? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. This is Jimmy Webb from I Need More right here in New York City. You're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando.